So where will you be one second after you die? With the Lord. With the Lord. I, I just, you know what my heart is? It just makes sense, doesn't it, for us to think about where we're going to spend our forever after. If this life here is just so brief, and then it goes on forever and ever and ever, I want for you to know for sure where you're going to be in that moment. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to hear what Jesus has to say on this topic of our forever after. I want to welcome all of you here, those of you who are watching online from whatever city, whether Northeast Ohio or one of the less beautiful places around the country or around the world. Uh, we're glad to have you uh, joining in with us today. Um, you know, Jesus sees us, he knows us by name, and he loves us to the extent that he gives us in the word. He tells us, he tells us all about not only how to live today, but how to be prepared for all of our tomorrows, how to be prepared for eternity. Last week, we, we had a, this visual, and if you missed last week, you can watch, but we said this, we said, our existence, if I were to stretch this rope out, our existence is goes on forever and ever. This little red dot right here is my life here on planet Earth. And there's going to come a day when I come to the end and I'm going to die if Jesus doesn't come back first. And my family's going to decide on a casket and a burial plot and pallbearers, and they're going to remember, they're going to set times for visitation, and who's going to speak at my funeral, and what are they going to say about me, and it better be really, really nice. <laughs> and then I'm going to leave. I'll have left this place. When they're talking about all that, I'm going to be as alive as I've ever been. And I'm going to be in this forever after home that never ends. Friends, if I believe what the Bible says is true, and I do, it gives me great hope. If I don't believe what it says, I just want to say, if you're one of those, you're like, ah, I don't really know. You know, I'm sort of with one of the new atheists like Christopher Hitchens or one of the others. I think this life is all there is, and then there's like nothingness. I just want to say you should pray that the Bible is wrong about what it teaches. Because what we're dealing with here. Is, is the Bible saying that, that my life here is just a sliver, a dot, compared to the line of all of eternity? And if it's true, I have so much to look forward to or to be anxious about. So if I can be really honest with you today, what I want to do today is I either want to dial up your anticipation or I want to dial up your anxiety. You might go, why, why would you dial up my anxiety? Let me tell you why. Because if you're saying, I don't really believe, or I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to think about it, I hate thinking about death, Jonathan, the time will come at some point, I want to dial up your anxiety where you'll say, I better give attention to this like now. I can't wait. You've made me feel anxious and nervous inside about it, and I'd go, good, that's, that's what I want. I'm just being totally honest with you here. But I also want to dial up anticipation. For those of you who know for sure and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I know where I'm going. I know that I'm going to be in heaven forever. I want to dial up your anticipation. Some of you are, are carrying grief. We all carry hurt and pain in our lives. There are things you go, I don't like the way this happened or that happened or I've said goodbye to someone I've loved and I've been at their, you know, and, and just, and, and you carry grief with you. You know what I want to be able to say? Hey, buddy, how you doing over here? 
Just want to welcome Can I just give you a quick high five? All right, there you go, man. All right, here you are. Um, I was wondering, it was like, there's like concern, like what's happening? I don't know if someone had made their way already. See, he's anxious. He's coming forward because he wants to give his life to Jesus. Uh, but if you're carrying grief today, you know what you can say? You can speak to grief and say, grief, you're real, but you're not eternal. You see, for a Christian, really for all of us, death is not the end. And for a believer in Jesus, what we know is that death just turns a page, opens a door to a brand new existence when we'll look back and go, I remember when I used to feel grief and I had heartache and, and, and now, wow, this is amazing. I want to dial up your anticipation. So let's see what Jesus has to say about both of these, both about heaven and about hell. We're going to turn first to Luke chapter 16 because I want to see the bad news before we look at the good news. And, uh, and so let's uh, turn there. By the way, if you, if you don't have a Bible, you can always uh, take your phone or your iPad or whatever and, and open up the Bible app. And then our notes are also available. For those of you watching online, if you're at live.gracema.org, there's a chat room. There's also the message notes are there. Or you can, if you're watching on YouTube, you can go on your phone or whatever, or your computer, and go to gracema.org. You'll see bulletin. And at the end of a bu the bulletin, just click the bulletin in the message notes. All the verses and the main points are in those notes, okay? So Luke chapter 16, we want to talk first about hell. Let me, let me just say this. Author James Emery White says when talking about hell, he says when Jesus dealt with this topic. He wasn't trying to beat people up with it. He wasn't trying to tell everybody you're such bad people and here's where you're all gonna go. He, he was trying to keep us out of hell. That was Jesus' point. And that's really important that his goal is to protect us from hell and that when we get to the end of this life and we begin our forever after that we can be in the home that Jesus Intense for all of us. That's his heart. So the reason for the story Jesus tells here is that he's wanted to say, folks, this is real. Give attention to this. This is a window, a peak, a five-minute taste of hell. So let's read the story, and then we're going to look at a few key reasons why I think that Jesus uh, tells this story, okay? You'll see those points highlighted in your notes as well. But let's start with Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Here's what we read. Jesus said, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat from uh, what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him. The rich man says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in what? agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, 
nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Let's just pause there for a second. In your notes are four really important reasons I believe Jesus tells this story. First, he, he wants to make it absolutely clear that when we die, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of an eternity that will be in heaven or in hell. You know, there's an interesting contrast here between these two people who live really different lifestyles here on earth. You have the rich man who anybody would have what you would say is the good life. He lived in luxury, it says, every day. And um, Jesus says that he was clothed in purple and fine linen, which was code in that day for the highest end of wealth. Death was the furthest thing from this guy's mind. He was like, man, I, I, I've got a maid, I've got my retirement ahead of me, I've got, and he dies. And the poor man dies. But it's not, and listen to this, it's not the end of their existence. These conversations ensue, and, and they begin to talk about things, and, and, uh, and you just, you say, leaving this life, the dot, and heading into the line, it goes on forever and ever. Jesus' point, he drives home the fact that no matter who you are or what your life is like here, that death is inevitable. And when we die, it's not the end. It's not all. Jesus also wanted to make clear, secondly, that where we go for eternity will be based on decisions that we make in this life. This is true for both of these guys, that decisions in the dot, decisions that we make right here about a relationship with Christ determine where we're going to spend our forever after. And so the one guy lives really good here but ends in his forever after, he winds up in hell. The other guy has a really tough life here and lives all of eternity as a child of the king. And there's no do-over. There's, there's no mulligans. There's once you're in your afterlife, it says there, it says, you know, Abraham is saying, hey, no one can cross from here to there, and no one can cross from there to here. It's like what we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, where it says this, people are destined to die once, and after that, to face what? To face judgment. Like, there's, there's not going to be another opportunity which is really tough because the third thing Jesus makes clear here is that hell is a place of agony and regret. I'll be honest, just preparing this message, I told Mary, I said, I don't like to talk about hell. You probably don't like to listen to things about hell. I wanna say in a second why we talk about that, but let me just say for this first. I mean, a verse like verse 24, you just go, wow. Um, the rich guy says, Father Abram, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony. Now, it's hard to know what descriptions about hell or heaven for that matter are literal and what parts are metaphorical. We don't know. But what we do know is this, that every time that Jesus speaks about hell, it's like a really grim picture. It's anything but Billy Joel's song where he says, I'd rather laugh with the sinners 
then cry with the saints and hell look like one day. There's not going to be any laughing. Listen to a few of the things Jesus says about hell. Matthew chapter 8, they will be thrown outside into the what? The darkness. Verse uh, Matthew 25, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, this sense of like, oh, why didn't I listen? I knew I could have made a different decision and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 14, there's no rest day or night. Matthew 25, Jesus says, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the ultimate fate for every person whose name God has not written into the book of life. People have ignored or rejected Jesus. By the way, some theologians feel that because of that final verse right there, it's evidence that hell was not originally intended for people. Hell was really prepared for whom? Hell was, would you guys put that verse back up there one second there? Uh, hell was prepared for whom? The final verse, for the devil and his angels. The line of thinking was this, that hell wasn't really designed for people. That our Father in heaven, his heart, what he really wants, he wants all of his, those he's created, he wants them all to be in his family. He wants, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that God's heart, his will is that everyone would be saved, but he doesn't force us. And so hell wasn't really intended for people. It was for the devil and his angels. And you could even say God doesn't send people to hell. Hell is ultimately the choice of a person who says, I, I really, no thanks. I, I, I live life my own way. I want nothing to do with like God trying to rule my life and all that kind of stuff. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said that throughout life, countless people ignore God and, and say to him, in effect, leave me alone. I don't, I don't want a stiff-armed God. And that hell is God giving them what they've always asked for. That he'll leave them alone forever. Let's just say this. Thank God he's provided a way for us to never experience hell. Can I just tell you, we're going to look at this more in a second, but that, uh, that's how much he loves us. He... he he wants to spare anyone a place where his goodness has been removed. So Jesus invites all of us. He's inviting you today. But he would tell you today, he'd say, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how much regret you have, it doesn't matter how far you feel from me, it doesn't matter what doubts you carry, that if you take a step toward Jesus and say, Jesus, with whatever I know of myself, I give to whatever I know of you. I want to be yours. You take this brokenness of my life, and Jesus, you make of me what you want me to be. That you're, he, he wants you to be in his family. He'll accept you and welcome you. An amazing gift of grace. One final point, though, Jesus tells us here about, about the reality of hell, and it's this. Understanding these realities should fill us with concern. When this rich man finds out, he gets to the end of this life, and he winds up in a place of agony and torment. You know what his first thought is? I don't want anybody I love who's back still in the red part, the dot, I don't want him to wind up here. So what does he tell him? He, 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 says, to, he says, can you please go tell my brothers? Tell them it's real. Tell them they don't want to be here. Let me quote James Emery White again. He says this, he says, I know we don't like to think about hell or talk about hell, but if hell is real, how much would you have to hate someone not to talk to them about it? How much would I have to hate you 
believing to the core of my being that heaven and hell are real places and real people go there, to not try to keep you out of it. That would be off the charts hate. There are some things that are not pleasant to talk about, but if Jesus says it, I believe it. And he talked more about hell than he did about heaven because I think you wanted to give such a warning. You see, Jesus talked about hell not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. Love warns people. Love offers hope that there's a better way. If you get a diagnosis from a, an oncologist and you're in and they, they go, yeah, it's pancreatic cancer and, and you probably have, I would say, three months left. And they tell you really excruciating news. But they also know that there's a cure for cancer that's 100%. Wouldn't that be amazing? I pray for that. God, would you bring a cure for cancer? But if you knew there was a cure and someone didn't tell you the bad news about your condition and then the good news of what could solve the bad news, you go, why, why didn't you tell me that? I'd want to know. I know it's uncomfortable to hear, but if there's an answer to it, then why didn't you tell me? When you understand the realities of hell, you say, wow, I, I, I want to tell people. Well, thankfully, Jesus didn't just talk about hell. He mentioned that, but he also told us about heaven, and it's absolutely stunning. I'd like you to turn with me to the second last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. And, uh, and you might go, time out, John, we're going to talk about what Jesus says. Wouldn't you be looking at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And we, we could do that. We can see what Jesus says in John chapter 14 when he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. When he talked about everlasting life and eternal life over and over again, the Bible mentions heaven 600 times. So there's a lot of places we could turn, but the book of Revelation is also from Jesus. That the first five verses, of you, if you looked at Revelation, we're going to be in Revelation 20, but if you looked at chapter 1, the, the book of Revelation opens like this, the revelation from Jesus Christ. So when you read the book of Revelation, it's a revelation from Jesus Christ to the apostle John to, for all of us. And so this final book of the Bible is really from, from Jesus. So what we hear here, everything in this book is, is, is truth from, from Jesus. And a revelation is sort of a peek into what's to come, a, a sense of this is what, there's invisible realities. I want to give you a picture of the cosmic battle that's taking place, that ultimately Jesus is going to win, and that there's going to be a place where you're going to be forever. And he talks about both hell and heaven in the book of Revelation as well. But let's see what he says about, about heaven. We're going to talk more about this next week, by the way, and uh, what heaven's going to be like. Will it be boring? Will you recognize people that, that you knew here on earth? Uh, will your pet be in heaven? Um, I can tell you one thing. My neighbor's dog is not going to be there. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> maybe it'll be there, but just be sanctified, you know, or something like that. Um, will there be snow? Uh, my wife, Mary, is very close to God. She says as a definitive no, uh, there will not be. And if there is, it'll be 70 degrees or more. But we'll look more about heaven. The Bible doesn't give us a, a super clear detailed picture, but there's enough to know. We'll talk about more of that next week. But let's just look at an opening, what Jesus says here in Revelation 21 to the Apostle John in verse 3. Just read two verses here. Revelation 21, verse 3, God's dwelling place 
his home, his, this forever after place called heaven is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Wow. You just read those verses and you start to focus and you go, this is stunning. We have so much to look forward to. Just a few highlights. First of all, heaven will mean perfect relationships with our Father and his family. That, ver that little phrase is repeated twice. God will be with us. He'll be with his people. We're, my uh, siblings and I are going to have a family reunion this summer with all of our kids, and we've got a big family. I, my uh, two brothers and six sisters live in five states and four countries, and so we only get together like once every probably four years. So we're going to get together in Pennsylvania uh, in the beginning of July, and, and we'll do all kinds. We'll eat together and we'll play games, we'll go canoeing, we'll tell stories, uh, we'll eat together, I, and we'll eat some more, uh, and we'll share memories about the past, and, and we'll do all that kind of stuff. We're gonna, we're, we'll have a blast together. And my mom, my mom just turned 86 this past Thursday, and she loves when her, you know, all of her, her kids and grandkids, great-grandkids get together. So we'll, we'll do that, and we'll have a blast. It's gonna be an amazing family reunion. But our family isn't perfect. There are times that someone, there's an oversight, someone tells a story that maybe they think is funny, but it's not funny for the person who maybe is the subject in the story. There are times we're playing a game and my siblings get too competitive so that I can't win the game. <laughs> um, they're, you know, they're, they're just things that you sometimes, heaven's gonna be the ultimate family reunion that will be absolutely perfect, where our Father in heaven will gather all of his people together and we'll never have another goodbye. No one will forget who you are. You'll never feel overlooked. You'll never be made fun of. You'll never have an, an awkward moment with someone. It'll always be good. Like we're always good with each other and you'll be with, best of all, with the one who loves you more than anybody else loves you and you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna respond to Jesus when I see him. Like what am I gonna do? All I can tell you is that when you see Jesus, you're gonna go, Wow, I knew he loved me. Like we sang about that, we talked about that, but his love for me, like he's, I, I just want to spend more and more time with him. And it's going to be this incredible gathering together of God's people. It's going to be an amazing family reunion. More than that, something else. He goes on and he says, all suffering and pain will be gone forever. Heaven's going to be amazing, not only for what is there, but for what is not there, right? No more death, he says, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. If you deal with chronic pain today, no more in heaven. If you've mourned a strained relationship or broken dreams, no more. If you've shed tears over someone you really love, a child that's departed, you know, from the path that you just long for them to be on, or you've Maybe you've stood next to a cask and you've just grieved and you're like, and no more, no more death. I can't tell you how many times I've been next to the cask with the family. And one thing I do is before they close the casket, I'll say, hey, let's just join hands together and we'll pray. And the tears often just flow and you see a father and mother with 
their son or daughter, or you see a, ch- a child be- and they're saying goodbye to their parent or to a sibling or someone that they has been so dear and near them or to a spouse. And, they, and they're just, and, and my heart aches. I, I, it never stops. It doesn't matter where I'm at. And I, I just go, God, thank you that a day is coming when there's no more death. No more death or crying or mourning or pain. Because it says the old order of things will have passed away. That when we get to the end of this life right here and we begin our forever after, it's going to be no more pain. Why? Because Jesus took the curse. Galatians chapter 3 says he accepted the curse that had come out in the Garden of Eden. Remember when Adam and Eve turned their backs and got him? There's a curse on them. There's a curse on the ground. There's a curse on the world. There's a curse on our work. And Jesus goes to the cross and he reverses that curse. He swallows all of our pain. You go, well, why do we still have it? Because it's an already but not yet. He's already accomplished it. We already have some of the beginnings of that, but it's not yet. It'll be fully realized into the day that we enter that eternal home. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Something else is going to be marked by incredible beauty. Verse 21, verse 11 um, it says this, it's shown, this is heaven, shown with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a, a jasper, clear as crystal. You almost get the sense that John is struggling to find appropriate words to describe what he sees when he gets a peek into heaven. I wonder, think with me for a second, what's the most beautiful place you've ever visited in your life? I know a lot of you are thinking, you're going, it's Cleveland, Ohio, baby. This is it right here. Okay, outside of Cleveland, what's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? My wife's like a beach lover, so we, you know, we, when I think of a beautiful place, I think of a very wide, sandy beach lined with palm trees, maybe mountains in the background, the waters are like, you know, crystal clear blue and you're going snorkeling or something and it's just the sun is shining and it's amazing, right? Where's your happy place? Where would be your go-to place? If you could revisit any place you've ever visited, you go, that's where I would go. Heaven's going to be all that and more. It's going to be, it, it's, it, it's going to be something you just go, I, I can't believe I get to be here forever. You know when you're going on vacation and maybe you were a kid or you've got kids and they're in the back seat and about an hour into the 10-hour trip, they're like, are we, are we there yet? You're like, we're not quite there yet. But some, someday, <laughs> in, in several hours, we, we will be, Right? And, and it's almost like when you start to know about heaven, you go, are, are we almost there yet? Like it's gonna be, I, I got a letter from a, uh, a note from a friend this week, and she wrote this. She said, my husband and I just read, it's this great book, it's called Imagine Heaven. She says, it's far more rewarding and glorious than we imagined. I'm not only more at peace, but even more excited to be with my Savior when he calls me and others home. Friends, if we could just get a peek at heaven, we'd go, God, I don't deserve this, but thank you. Thank you for the home you've provided for me. Finally, we know we're not gonna get bored. 
there's gonna be purpose-filled activity. I remember as a boy struggling to figure out what we would actually do in heaven, and I, I, I had some fears it might be like the youth choir director trying to desperately get a, a group of middle school boys to start to behave themselves, and she finally bellows out, she goes, boys, you better start singing like I'm telling you to sing, because this is where you're gonna do for all the rest of eternity. And you're like, oh no, that would be terrible. You know, sitting around in a choir robe for the rest of my life. So what will we do? Well, we get a little bit of an indication here. Revelation 22, the next chapter here says this. Says in verse three, Christ's servants will serve him. In verse five, they will reign forever and ever. Like we're gonna have places of responsibility with no stress purpose without feeling overwhelmed, a sense of like, wow, like I'm doing something there that's really cool. We don't know all the details of that, but if God's in charge, it's got to be good. Why? Because we know the Lord is just, he's good, right? And so even if I can't fully comprehend exactly what heaven's gonna be like, we can know it's going to be way better than we could ever ask or imagine. So that's a bit of what Jesus says about life after death. We can believe it or not, but what I love so much is that he wants us to be there. You know what Jesus says, John chapter 14, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come back and take you to be what? With me, so that you also may be where I am. You see, he wants you to be in the home that he's made for you and for me forever. He didn't prepare hell, perhaps, for people, but for the devil and his angels, but he certainly prepared heaven. He goes, I prepared that for you. That's where I want you to be. Let me go back to the anxiety and anticipation. If you know Jesus and you're like, I believe what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that these things are written, that you can know that you have eternal life. You go, I don't guess, hope, bank, I, I know that I have eternal life. I want you to dial up your anticipation that Whatever you think heaven's gonna be, just multiply that by like a 1,000. It's gonna be phenomenal. And if you're not sure today, I wanna dial up your anxiety. But what I literally like to dial up is just a sense of I've gotta make a decision here. And if you're going, I, I wanna know, like if this right here, you're telling me this is true, and the decisions I make in this part right here about Jesus determine where I spend the rest of my eternity, I wanna be ready. Talk to a friend today. Give us a call, pick up um, uh, a Knowing God Personally booklet from our welcome desk as you leave today. There's a little, on the, on the message notes in the bulletin, there's a link there you can just click that it has a prayer you can pray to say, Jesus, I wanna give my life to you. I give as much as I know of myself to as much as I know of you. Jesus, if you can take the brokenness in my life and make me new, Jesus, I offer myself to you. He's prepared a place for you. It's gonna be a phenomenal let me close with these words from C.S. Lewis. Some of you are, are Narnia fans and, or you've read some of other C.S. Lewis's other books. And, uh, and C.S. Lewis, at the end of the Narnia series, he writes about really what heaven's gonna be like. This is what he's talking about. Let me just close with these words. You'll see this on the screen as well. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. 
all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they're beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. Personally, I can't wait. And I want to see you there. May we be ready and accept the invitation Jesus has offered. Let's thank him together. Would you pray with me, Jesus? To think that you would go to the cross in order to open the door for heaven for all of us, Jesus. Just want to say we love you and we thank you today. Lord, some here are going through some kind of disappointment or pain or depression or heaviness in their life or just feeling like I'm sort of wandering. Lord, I, I pray that the anticipation of it's going to be different one day and better would sustain them even today. And Lord, those who aren't sure, I pray that they would wrestle and consider and confront any doubts and come to a place of realizing how much you love them they can know you today. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible and for welcoming us simply because of your mercy. Thank you, thank you. In your name we pray. And all who agreed said, amen.